0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Winners Only Club Podcast in the Hamptons. Today we welcome Dan Gatsby. Dan Gatsby was the guy who sold TV shows like Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, The Oprah Winfrey Show, arguably three of the most successful shows in television syndication history. Yet he's probably best known for building the B. Smith enterprise with partner and laywife B. Smith. Today we welcome Dan Gatsby! Hello. Hey, Hello. Good to be here. With you. Yay. So today we are in East Hampton at Dan's home. Tell us a little bit about your work with all these shows.
1: Uh, well, I started out in television in Memphis, Tennessee, a boy from Brooklyn. And so TV advertising uh, in Mississippi, Arkansas, the Booth Hill of Missouri and Memphis itself. And I come to realize that it's a different world and I had to go into some backwoods places and sell advertising at $20 a pop for uh, commercials. I learned how to write commercials, I learned how to produce commercials, and I also learned how to sell advertising time. And to make a long story short, I, when I left there, I went on to work for a little company back in the 80s called Turner Broadcasting when ted turner was trying to get a little station called wtbs that is now behemoth the superstation, and built from there all of the tv and media conglomerate that became part of time warner's colossus uh, so i learned from the ground up how to sell and how to create ideas and i also had a tv show myself with my late wife that actually launched the career of Art kelly and eric benet and uh so I, I learned how to take something that was a seed of an idea and grow it into a, a, a real uh, oak tree and mm-hmm. i did that and we had the, the late and lovely good friend natalie cole who was the host of the show it was an amazing show it was the star it was the it was the competition to star search but it was the forerunner to a little show called american idol a lot of the people who started on my show ultimately went on to become uh, producers and directors of American Idol.
0: Dan, that was so good. And I, I have such a good follow-up question. I just, one second, please. I just wanna make sure that this camera is really on mute. Um, is that, just a little tiny bit. I'll oh, put this much better. Sorry. All right. I'm See just you. learning to be the
2: best I can.
1: up from
0: there yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so I don't know if it's if we say that again or just the last part again My
1: career started in 1978 in Memphis Tennessee where I sold uh, local television for then fledgling startup TV station WPTY and I sold in Mississippi, Arkansas I sold in the boot heel of Missouri Uh, I sold throughout Tennessee and I learned on the ground how to walk in talk to an advertiser, understand their needs then come up with a concept and I was selling what we used to call it $5 to holler television advertising where you go in talk to them about how television is powerful, how it could, you know it was the sub of all media, sight, out motion, and emotion. And then I would told them, uh, to tell them that uh, I can make your cash register sing by using advertising. And so I wrote the commercial. I directed the commercial. I would write the script. I would sit in the, in the editing room and cut it up, cut it, and watch the, watch the cash register ring and come back for the second order because it's not giving the first order that counts. You want to be able to get reorders. Anybody can sell somebody something once. The question is, do you build a relationship? Do you build a community? Do you build trust?
0: And that's how you get a reorder.
1: That's how uh, you build uh, a business. And that's how you become a good salesperson. It's the ability for someone to be able to close their eyes and know that you can guide them through whatever maze or obstacle there is.
0: Actually, I want to share with everyone that Dan really is a good sales, not only a good salesperson, I think when you go from doing whatever you do to a teacher at whatever you do, that's when you know you're really good. And if you don't mind, I'm gonna get my notebook because it's over there. Yeah, go ahead. The first time we ever met. Okay, so Dan G's Buy Your Value slash join. Dan G said, number one, present your idea. He says to make sure it's inviting and enticing. Yeah, let me tell you about my idea. Number two, ask, what do you think? And then you wait and listen to the client and talk. And then number three, restate what you stated. This time, including their objections, if any, or feelings or thoughts. So for instance, so you mentioned this, 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 and then you restate what you said. And then number four, ask, how would you feel? How would you feel good about feeling? Because when it comes to sales, it's not just logic. Emotion plays a huge role to it because it's like love. It doesn't have to make sense. People just do what they feel is right, essentially. And then number five, order. Now, that's the part where I had the hardest part in because I think I was relatively good at marketing and, and being like, putting on the show. But the last part was kind of very scary to, to say, hey, let's do this. So I told myself to pretend I'm on camera because on camera, I'm like, hey but in person i freeze so i just pretend like i'm on camera and say hey let's do this why don't we just make a commitment of three months and then a quote to go by that is from b smith is i stand on a mountain of no's for one yes." dan gatsby the man himself what do you have to say or add to well i'm
1: particularly proud of you and when i met you or talking to another friend and you were so uh enthusiastic and so focused you know At this stage in my life, uh, I wanna be known for one thing. If I see someone deserving of help and I can help them, then I'm gonna do it. And I saw you have all the skills, you have all the drive. Sometimes you just need to hear someone else tell you what you can do and what you can achieve. Because a lot of things like pennies in a washing machine can rattle around in your head. But the question is, can you get them out or can you listen to them? objectively and see what they mean to you once you hear someone else saying I see you I know where you're going hey have you thought about this is it time to think about this this and this or something else and to let that percolate let that sort of uh, just happen inside yourself and then you go and do it
0: thank you my pleasure would you call yourself a businessman or producer first I call myself
1: a person that likes to tie knots. I like bringing things together, bringing people together, bringing ideas together, taking disparate things and building something that can be greater than the parts itself.
0: The name of this podcast is called Winners Only Club. What's your definition of a winner and what's your definition of a loser?
1: Well, first of all, uh, let me put it to you this way. Everyone loses. And my wife had a quote that has become synonymous with her. I've stood on a mountain of those, no, so one yes. And if you really think about it, in a sports vernacular, if you get one hit every three times you're up, that means you fail to get a hit two out of three. So you fail 66.7 times, but 333 will take you to the hall of fame. The question is not just winning, it's what you learn from losing, and I've always believed one thing: people who started out on on, home, on third base and think that they hit a home run don't know what it takes to get into the batter's box when some the pitcher has a different type of ball, he's throwing or he's throwing harder. Uh, so I, you know, losers is an attitude. Winning is a habit, and uh, I don't like to get. My wife and I used to say every year we try to fail more because we try to do more different things. So, what I call a loser is not someone who doesn't get the order necessary, or who uh, may not have the right ingredients to get the recipe or the, or the dish cooked. I call a person of low moral qualities a loser. But everyone makes a mistake. Everyone doesn't get an order. Sometimes they, des- they deserve, or sometimes they d- don't get it. They do get an order. And they don't deserve it. So that winner and loser uh, is a a flexible thing. But for me, winning always feels good when you know you did the right thing and you can at least say, I made something happen that no one thought could or I made the customer, more importantly, feel that they're joining a team. People join you. They don't buy you.
0: Who is the biggest winner in your life?
1: Oh, my wife certainly is Uh, Barbara Smith Smith was was, was the biggest winner because she uh, had to overcome a lot of things. She was a a woman and women have disadvantages to men uh, by virtue of side strength, you know, ego, uh, the need to control. She was a black woman and that has its own dynamic. And she was a dark skinned black woman, which means in the general population, like, and bright and damn near white in in the black culture tends to have an easier time getting there. Easier time getting opportunities to be successful. Still exists today. And so she overcame all of those things. She didn't have long blonde hair. She didn't have blue eyes. She wasn't what was considered classic looking in the American quote unquote sense. So she is the, to me, one of the biggest winners. Uh, The other was my father because he overcame a lot of obstacles uh he uh had, had polio and he uh knew he, he worked out as much as he could and was strong and was a handsome man uh who was elegant uh and then my all-time hero uh the guy that i revered jackie robinson because to be the first in something where people didn't want to see you succeed was unbelievable i mean that, that man Uh, went through hell and he suffered from it he had diabetes you know he aged prematurely because of the weight of systemic uh, racism that's why I'm so forceful about caring about doing the right thing and seeing people of all different uh, perspectives races, genders, sexuality get their fair share
0: B Smith Mm -hmm. we all want to know how did you lend such a dime?
1: Uh, I walked into a restaurant asked her out. Uh, she got hugged by someone as I was waiting to make a, a beautiful story short but but sweet. I didn't think she would date me. I, I went to a bar restaurant and at brunch time she jumped out of a call another beautiful woman. I asked her for a hug. She gave me a hug and then she pushed me back and said your life might take a turn for the better if you make a phone call because I... You know, like you don't ask for the order. I didn't. I, I thought I couldn't uh, be with someone like her. And then all of a sudden, uh, two weeks later, uh, we went on lunch date. And uh, we had a, it was like hand in glove, it was like two, two palms coming together. And uh, I took her to my uh, favorite restaurant. She uh, walked around the streets of New York City and I. Kissed her on the cheek, walked about five steps away, ten steps away, turned around, and she was still staring at me. And we were together ever since. And it's a long, more beautiful, honestly, when I look back at that hindsight uh, story. But uh, that's how I, it was. I, I asked for the order. I asked that I wanted to be with her.
0: Navigating as both partners in love and business, what was the relationship dynamic like for each? How were you able to maneuver both at the same time?
1: Well, what I haven't found in anyone that I've since then is that we didn't compete with each other, we completed each other. And I liked her as much as I loved her. And she knew how to uh, take control when she needed to, and she knew how to release control. Uh, We had what we called a 40-40 relationship. She had 40%, I had 40% the other 20 uh, uh, swings. So most relationships, people try to talk about 50-50. It's not realistic, it's a tit for tat. No, in any situation, if you own in business, if you own 40% of something, you got a major stick, but you don't control. So if we were in a relationship, whatever it was, but particularly for what worked for me with my wife, she had 40, I had 40, and then, then we took that other 20, this is her time, or this was my time, and then we moved with 100% certainty together.
0: What role did you play as the CEO of B. Smith Enterprise? Because even though she was the face of the show, but a show has many acts. Yeah,
1: well, uh, she was the quarterback. She was the the star and I was the support. You know, a lot of men can't handle that. Uh, A lot of men, and I can say this very honestly, Uh, I call it SDS. It's called short dick syndrome (laughs) and what they, they have to be in control. And I didn't have to be in control. Uh, and you have to like who you love, not love what you like. And you run into what kills a lot of relationships with a powerful woman. Is that people are cruel and people are envious, you know, and people would say dumb stuff to me like What's it like being Mr. Smith? I'd go, pretty damn good. I wake up with a beautiful woman every morning. She smiles at me. We do things together. I can't wait. to. I hate to leave her. I I can't wait to see her when I have to go somewhere. You know, so what you have to do is you have to put them on their heels because envy is the thing that kills more relationships or the toxicity Mm -hmm. of people being envious. We never hung out with a lot of couples because a lot of couples, and, and in front they look lovey-dovey, but in the back there was always this stress, this tension. We didn't have that, you know. And then we were in the restaurant business, and you know, I knew my place. I knew that she was the star. I never tried to usurp that position. I never felt inferior because of that. Uh, and she she understood and if she says honey i need you to do this yeah okay baby
0: i've heard that women who are more dominant um socially are more submissive romantically is there some truth to to that
1: uh i guess in any situation it could be uh we had a we had a torrent love affair i mean we were married 28 years uh she was, uh, she was beautiful in, in every possible way. She was loving. She was a tigress and she was a kitten. She was uh, controlling and she liked to be controlled. And what I'm saying by that is we shared uh, intimacies. There wasn't no, uh, you know, me, Tarzan, you, Jane. It was we loved each other.
0: I was doing my research and it seems like everyone knows B. Smith as the face of the empire, but we know that it takes a team to build an empire. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of shine or shed some light to what did you do behind the scenes for her business?
1: Well, she was a creative force. I handled the day-to-day nuts and bolts. The biggest thing that women have that's the problem when they become successful. Is the guy can be jealous or insecure, or uh, or they they allow what I call time ticks. You know what a tick is? A tick that gets on your skin. <laughs> well, time ticks suck the blood or suck your time away. And there's always somebody trying to uh, even incidentally or unintentionally, but most of the times it's intentionally because of envy. They're trying to separate. The situation goes wrong, well, I told you he was no good, or you shouldn't, you know, they want to jump on board, because what they want to do is separate these two people, because usually they don't have it. Usually they don't have that relationship, and your relationship, what is great, reminds them of what they don't have. So I I, I managed, I, I kept the, the tough stuff away from her so that she could be creative, and so she could be, she was at 30,000 feet, and I was on the ground just keeping the... You know, keeping the, the the enemies of time and jealousy and needs uh, at bay.
0: Can you walk through how a contract would be made from beginning to end?
1: Well, usually what happens is, what was so amazing, is that we'd see something like we wanted to do a TV show, and B had an idea we should do it at a house. So we bought a house, and uh, at the beach in Sag Harbor, people laughed at us. We cut the roof. The, we put skylights over the. Uh, with the uh, the stove, the ovens, and and, the cooktops. And we told people we want to shoot a TV show there. And they laughed. And then when we had people like Henry Winkler or Danny Glover, you know, or or Little Richard, I mean, they couldn't believe that we did it Uh, because we could look at something and make it happen. Probably the biggest thing I miss is that I'll never have someone that we could look at something and say we're gonna do it. And when most people just dream, we did it.
0: One of my definitions of a winner is someone who doesn't just sit on their ideas, someone who takes action.
1: Yeah, well, you can shoulda all over yourself. <laughs> I shoulda done this, I shoulda done that. We never shoulda all over ourselves. We did it.
0: Did you call her B or Barbara?
1: I called her sweetie. It was either sweetie or sweetie pie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, or Barb. You know, my daughter called a military bar because she was very focused. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Very rarely can you find someone that can do it all. Mm -hmm. She could cook. She knew how to clean. I mean, really knew how to clean. She could make a bed like what she was taught by her father from from a military standpoint. She could wear cut up jeans or she could take a sweater and turn it around backwards and make it look like a totally different Mm -hmm. outfit. She was always kind. Uh, she was a true diva. There was no attitude. She didn't use those colloquialisms. Blah, blah, blah. She she was she was classy. Classy. And it, and it was one of the problems she had, and that's part of the problem about being black yeah. in America. You know, uh, her voice and her diction and her English was so precise that some black people said she talked white, and some white people didn't like her because they wanted her to be more black and so she was always in this but she knew how she was like the she was like the eye of a tornado stuff could swirl around her but inside she was calm and she understood i mean we would laugh we would see people who would come into the restaurant only when we were there so they could get something free and we would we knew what the prices for the stuff was and uh, we would just give it to them, see how much they would eat or drink for free. And, tell, and then they'd tell us how wonderful we were. We just, we knew they were, they were ticks. Yeah. We used to call people who were uh, out for themselves ticks. Yeah. We had time ticks. We had food ticks. We had drink ticks. Oh. We had a lot of, you know, a tick is an animal that lives on a host. Yeah. And it sucks and dries. And sometimes, I mean, we nothing we, we drank drink because we knew what, we, what they were drinking. Yeah. Or, we, or we'd shorten the drink because they weren't paying for it anyway. And then you always found out who they were when you said, well, uh, I'm, going, I'm going back to, and I, I know you're getting ready to run. Leave a tip for the, for the bartender. And some of them did. And some of them did.
0: Wow. Even because the- yeah, yeah, they're cheap.
1: And that's what you learn in, in business is that people always eventually show who they are. They can't get away from them. Because they get comfortable, and then their personalities are revealed.
0: Do you think it's possible for people to change and evolve over time, or whatever they are, many they just don't. don't. Okay. Some
1: do. By and large, no. But there are those rare exceptions.
0: What was like a favorite dish that Bee would cook?
1: Well, Bee could cook anything. Really? Yeah. She. I mean, she. Well, she lived in Paris. She lived in Milan. Uh, she was making sushi in the 80s, when people didn't even know what sushi was. Our, all of our great chefs, uh, especially the New York restaurant, were Malay, uh, you know, were Chinese or Malaysian. Uh, and she taught them how to cook soul food. But she, could, she, she was not a chef, and she was not that culinary trained. But she, like her mother and her grandmother, like my mother, my great-aunt, my grandmother, come from, you know, these women could cook. Oh. they're not there now. They they were edged out or pushed out. Uh my mother, her mother, her grandmother, she sat up their knee and learned. Mm-hmm.
0: I saw a funny TikTok video the other day and they were like, Megan Marco, you claim to be half black. Come over, make me some fried chicken and I'll judge how black you are.
1: Yeah, well that's, <laughs> what do you think about that, that? Well yeah, that's you know, uh That was one of the biggest problems we had with our restaurant. We had a restaurant 19 years, was now called Bill Bouquet. And people would come there and go, oh, well, there's no soul food. And and I would say, what do you see out there? I go, what do you mean? What do you see? Well, you see boats and water. Well, what kind of water is that? It's salt water. That's seawater, right? What's in in seawater? Fish. It's a seafood restaurant. Racism is so pernicious that you could be any other ethnicity and you could open any restaurant you want. You could be white and open up a a Chinese restaurant. You could be this or that and open up a Greek restaurant. Not even be Greek, but probably what you'd have to be. But when black people try to do it, it's like you only can cook soul food. None of her books were soul food books. She would take soul food or quote-unquote black food to quote-unquote was American fare that came from the Africans, the American Mm -hmm. Indians, and Europe, a a, a collage of different uh, people and ethnicities, and she would transform it or was transformed. Mm -hmm. But we didn't do soul
0: food. It seems like she grabbed stereotypes, generalizations by the neck, and just said goodbye.
1: She broke them down. She dissolved them. She took, uh, she always had to overcome that. You know, quite honestly, uh, she could do what any of the great ones could do. You know, one of the nicest things that I remember is when she met um, uh, 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 Julia Childs. And Julia loved her and told her that, you know, of the people on television, well you know some of the people I'm talking about. She was so much better and could cook so much better and was so much more gracious and so much more inviting. That was from Julia Childs, Rest of her soul. She loved me. Loved her.
0: I yeah, I I think we're in sync now then because I literally that was my next question. I was gonna mention Julia Child and if you guys liked her. Loved her. Amazing. Loved her. Mm-hmm. She
1: she had a worldview. Mm-hmm. She was and and she could uh she could make fun of herself. Yeah. And she, you could tell that she wasn't, as I like to say, most people you find uh, at some point, if they're not real, they get, they're constipated, they're stuck up,
2: mm, mm.
1: you know, I mean, constipation is not only a bowel movement or a lack thereof, <laughs> no. it's an attitude, you know, mm. so you see a lot of people who are uncomfortable in their skin. Or they could project to the camera and say, I love you, and then when they get off, you see it go right back to who they really are. That's why I always say, I watch what people watch and listen to what people listen to and see their emotions, see their reactions, Uh and they always never fool me. Eventually, you find them, uh, find out who they are, you find the real person.
0: You're very observant. I am. Like a true Pisces. (laughs) And and
1: I'm a Pisces with with everything in Pisces. So my highs are highs, and my lows are lows. But I learned how to come back. Mm -hmm. And I know when I go into a low period, uh, I know it's time to to, uh, bounce back. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a little secret. When things are not going well, I put a timer on. Mm -hmm. And I close my eyes. And I try to walk around for five minutes blind. Mm -hmm and I bump into stuff, or I don't want to move, or I try to pick something up, or I take a, a pen and I'm right-handed and I try to do stuff with only my left hand. And what it reminds me of is that no matter what you think you're dealing with, it's really, your health is everything. Mm-hmm. Having two hands, having two legs, being able to see, and it usually bounces me back almost instantaneously. Because I can get up and walk out, I can pick and grab, I can do this. And and that's, that's, that's one of my secrets to staying positive.
0: To close your eyes and walk for five minutes. Try, yeah, Yeah,
1: and then you realize everything else is a whole lot of bullshit.
0: I heard in another podcast, because I was doing some field research, that an entrepreneur really becomes an entrepreneur during the difficult times. Well, you
1: don't learn anything from, from success. You only learn strength, resiliency, uh, the ability to come back when you have failure. Yeah. Failure right. teaches. Success creates hubris. What's the one? Hubris, arrogance. Hubris. H. Oh. H-u-b-r-i-s, H-U-B-R-I-S. Hubris.
0: I like that. I, I'm like a sucker for words and phrases. I, I like that. I love words. Hubris. Words are
1: beautiful. Words. Sure. Yeah, I, I, nothing better than being able to paint a picture yeah. that someone can see in the back of their yeah. head. Yeah. With words. That's why I love the word constipated because most <laughs> of people think of that and you got to take Metamucil or an X-lax. Yeah. But the mind can be constipated too. Body can be constipated. The mind can mm. The attitude can be constipated.
0: Yeah. I recently think that coconut water, I don't know if anyone watching or listening can agree, is a laxative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I'm not only one, thank God. No,
1: no, it's a laxative, but, you know, I mean, people indigenous to the areas with coconuts knew that you got more electrolytes yeah. than coconuts. You um. know, you know that's, it's a healthy water, it, you know, yeah. chock full of vitamins and, and, and electrolytes. I mean, you're sitting there in 90 degree weather, crack that nut, but what do you got to do? You got to work to get to that nut, to get to that pulp, to get to that juice.
0: Circling back to what you mentioned earlier, business strategies, what were some business strategies you used during the sales of television?
1: Uh, Well, the first thing I learned was to always be able to, there's an old saying, sell the sizzle and not the steak, sell the candy on top and not the cake. Sell the sizzle, don't sell the steak, sell the candy and not the cake. I'm kind
0: of digesting it right now.
1: Excitement, energy, enthusiasm, passion, all of those things when you present something, how you present it, your body language, your eyes, your, your movements, what you feel inside that you that, that comes through in a in a non-verbal but physical way about the mm-hmm. confidence. And there's a thin, there can be a thin line between confidence and arrogance or hubris, as I said. But when you're in the moment, you're at one with what you're doing. And it comes across to the person that's observing you. Because they're taking all that data in and then making a judgment about you.
0: So, the
1: key is to sell with enthusiasm. To sell with enthusiasm, commitment. Obviously, you need to know your product, and you need to be able to listen, because they will tell you. There's a saying I used to say when I used to talk to sales staff of people. When someone's saying, yes, I will, yes, I will, yes, I will, their words are, I believe in it, I believe in it, I'm saying something but my body and everything else is saying, I don't believe that or I don't care or I'm not listening to you. And I walked into rooms where, you know, man, I could tell you stories. I was in Mississippi and uh, I was selling a guy television advertising and he said to me, you're the smartest nigger I've ever met. And I said, well, if I was a Martian and I could make you money, you should use me. Might even want to go to Mars. Maybe you could sell there. So I knew how to deflect things and never let uh, the first shot knock me out. I may get stunned, but I back up, see if, see where I am, see who I'm dealing with. Do they have any more coming? Now I'm prepared. And anything could happen, and then weather the storm, and then when I get a chance. Around.
0: Where did this resilience come from?
1: He was me. And watching my father, watching my mother, watching what they had to do and how they had to, and listening to my dad.
0: What was your parents' relationship like?
1: Oh, till the end. Till the end. My mother and father loved each other. And my father taught me how to be affectionate. He would kiss me on the lips. Oh no no <laughs> no 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 no! Well, no. you know, kiss me. Okay. You know, you know, I've I've seen so many guys who, be a man. Yeah. Pop, punch yeah. him in the. That'll make you a man. Make you an animal. Yeah. Be strong. Well, you can be strong, but you also got to know this: you got to be strong enough to be weak. Yeah. You know. It's, it's, so it's uh, it's sad in some how some people want to pass on their script. My mother and father told me don't be a clown Mm -hmm. and if you can figure out how to take care of yourself we've done our job
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you didn't have to be a doctor or you didn't have to be a lawyer but don't have to look over your shoulder Mm -hmm. don't be a thief nothing worse than a thief Mm -hmm. nothing worse than somebody that has to take something he said my father used to say "Uh, if you can't feel their pain Don't worry about their gain. And in this society where people kill themselves because they can't live up to what other people think they should be. I might kill somebody, but I ain't killing myself. (laughs) You know, uh, and I've seen that in jest, but I'm not going to allow someone to uh, get hit to rent space in my head and make me feel, I'm around people who have a hundred times more than me. But you know what they can't be? You. That's true. But they can't be happier than I am. Happiness is a once... You can't be more happy or less. I'm sort of happy. Like you can't be sort of pregnant. Mm-hmm. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that over time. And, I, and the other thing is... Trust. I know many things about many people that I would never share. I will go to my grave not uh, talking
2: about
1: You know, people who are very wealthy have told me in the height of emotions, things they felt about whoever. And I would never betray that trust.
0: What makes someone trust you?
1: Oh, it's simple. You know, I stand for something. Just like if I I stand for, you know, my political beliefs. I'm a liberal. I believe that women should be Equal pay for equal work. That a woman should be able to control her body. I don't care what religion you are if you don't have a religion. I question religion every day. You know, I'm not religious, but I was baptized and I almost got into or would have got accepted into a divinity school because I was interested along with a law school. Uh, but I don't care if you don't believe in God. I don't care. You know, I, I don't believe women should have to wear burqas or I don't believe people should make love through a hole in a sheet or a whole host. It's crazy.
0: i never even heard of that.
1: Yeah, there is. Oh wow. Oh yeah. I mean, that's religion, Mm -hmm. you know? I don't believe men and women should be separated. I don't believe that. That's nonsense to me.
0: Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, when it comes to everything, do you have the merit? Whoever has the most merit. Well, it should be, but but, but,
1: you know, yeah. You know, I'm not pro-life, I'm pro-choice. And I'm not afraid to say that. I want you or you collectively as women to have the same rights that I have. You know, sperm is cheap and eggs are expensive. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, you get pregnant, nine, nine months. Yeah. You should have the same right as a man. Your body doesn't belong to anybody but you. Mm-hmm. I am an unabashed liberal. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Yeah, OK, mm-hmm. I, I'm not even that, you know, I, you know. I, I've seen waste. I know what waste is. I know how it works. Mm-hmm.
0: Circling back to the present, living in the Hamptons, what are the worst and best aspects of living here?
1: Uh, it's monopoly money out here. People who don't deserve to get paid for what they do get paid too much uh, and they do a lousy job. You don't have real competition. Uh, that's, that's the thing that I see. There's an arrogance, there's an envy because people have so much and then the people who have to do work for them uh, resent them. You know, I'm always amazed when people say, I'm glad that the weekenders are gone. What are you kidding me? This place would be a duck and a potato if they didn't have people coming out here spending money. Or they're anti this or anti that, you know. Wait a minute. The reason that we have so much out here is because so many people come out here and spend their money. Yeah, it's crowded. Yeah, they're they're honking their horns. Well, you don't get something like what they spend out here for nothing. Comes with the territory. I mean, it's better than seeing tumbleweed going down Main Street or down 27 or down County Road 39.
0: So before I asked, what's the worst aspect of living in the Hamptons? Now I ask, what's the best aspect? I'll tell you what other aspect. Oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, The kids that live out here... uh, are a lot of them are. They have no social skills. They're like they, it's like they 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 were raised by werewolves or vampires and their attitudes and how they act in restaurants or on the street or, or entitlement. That's that's one of the big things. You see that most of them are. They they couldn't take a punch or work hard if they, if they weren't in the Lucky Sperm Club. <laughs> they wouldn't. They're weak. They, they're weak, they never had to hustle, they, ne- they don't know how to say hello or to look you in the eye, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll fail with because mommy and Daddy will provide them with the tether, you know, the umbilical cord of success and money that they have and then, and, and, but you know, they've never been punched in the face so they don't understand what a fight is really like, but they can get uppity and angry and arrogant. That's one of the worst things that I've seen out here, okay? Not all of us. No, 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 but a good deal.
0: What's the best part about living in the Hamptons?
1: The light, uh, the weather, the sun, the, the combination of, you can be in the middle of a field, watching vegetables grow, or you can be on the water, looking out into Great Pacific Bay or into the uh, ocean. Uh, there are beautiful people out here for, for whatever reason uh who come here or settle uh there's an in, there's an intelligence and intellect that's out here that uh, only captures a few places where you can have all of that the proximity to new york city where you can get your, your fill of new york or get your fix of new york and get get out uh, no i love the hamptons uh i love i i love the <laughs> Everything east of the Shinnecock. I love it. It's beautiful. I mean, I live here. I've lived in Manhattan all my life, in Brooklyn, and traveled around the world and lived in the West Coast, East Coast, you know, Chicago, Florida. But this is the best place.
0: What are you doing now?
1: Uh, Right now I'm working on a movie, trying to put together a deal for a movie uh, about my wife, about our life. And I've gotten some very good indications that we're moving forward. Like what? Like uh, people are interested in doing it. But you know, I was telling someone as recently as a day ago, you know, we're doing very well coming uh, with our our licensing business, decent products that for twenty years went bed, bath, and beyond, and now in, now moving into different stores because bed, bath, and beyond is gone in a totally downhill direction, and we've got to make adjustments. So we're working on the licensing business. Uh, I'm happy to see this and be able to have access to. Hopefully, do the,
0: uh, that's you know.
1: Someone asked me, "How do you want to be
0: remembered?" It's a good one.
1: And I say, with plans, i always planning something. Mm-hmm. You know, I sit here in a nice house. I'm not in one room. When I get, you know, when my dogs go, I'll probably move to something smaller. I'll be older. I won't need this much, you know. Uh, but I've lived a great life. And it wasn't easy. it hasn't been easy. But I've done it, as my wife would say, with style, you know, uh, from coming up in, in, a, in a very poor, lower middle class poor area dealing with uh, roaches and mice things of that sort. I remember sitting on a toilet once and I'm looking down and a mouse was looking up at me. And I remember poking the ceiling and it was the funniest thing because we could hear about there. We used to call them we used to call the robes wall dogs. (laughs) I mean they really, you know, and 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 I knew they had built a nest up there. But what was so funny was I thought I was going to build it, uh, break it, and it comes down. And I had a a long uh, uh, mop handle, a mop pole. And what I was poking didn't come down. What came down was right on top of my head. And I fell down and went over a sofa (laughs) and stood straight up. Wow! You know, it was like one of those things right out of like a a, a a a Street Stooges movie yeah. or something like that. What? Boom! And it went go. Boom! <laughs> and I stood up and I, I saw that nest and it had pennies and marbles and bazooka gum uh, gum sticker wrappers and uh, uh, twists from uh, you know the bread. They had built this and it was it was almost artistically beautiful. Now. If I know what I know now, I would have taken a picture of that that mouse nest mm-hmm. because it was so crazy quilted, beautiful in its own destructive. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, yes. But you know, and I remember having to take one bath a week, and you had to light the stove with uh, put all four pots on the stove, oh, well, yeah. and you turn the hot water on in the tub. And you use up all of it that you possibly could. Then it would go cold. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it stopped, you would take all of the hot water from the four pots that you put and put it in the tub. And then you would begin, you put your foot oh (laughs) you put your foot in, and then you turn on the cold water to get it as good, as temperate as you possibly could, but warm enough so that it wouldn't get cold. And then you wash and you get the hell out because you know you just now you're sitting in dirty water. I remember those days as a kid. And Then my parents did a little better and a little better, you know. And then when I first bought my first brownstone, so I come up, I came up in a tough era, era, and I had to fight for everything. So mm. when I see people who are arrogant yeah. and never had to fight for anything, I just look at them like despicable. No. You know, I, I, I'm, I feel sad, but what I don't let them do is make me think that I'm not worth something, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a strange thing, you know. It's like arrogance. It's like uh, I had recently a lady. I'm talking to a person at the counter, and the person comes right up and starts talking to the person like I wasn't there. And I said, excuse me. Can right. I ask you a question? And she's like almost not wanting to talk to me because she's talking. I said, do I look like i invisible? You went your turn. Uh, you know, and you have to do that to a lot of people out here because they are so arrogant, mm-hmm. so dismissive. You know, it's like the kid who's a bully yeah. because he can bully smaller kids when he gets in a room with kids the same size, they beat the crap out of him. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't yes. know how to fight, but he doesn't have any tools. He which, just has bullying.
0: Which side of the bullying were you in high school? Bullied oh, uh, or bullied?
1: Uh, uh, no, I was never bullied in yeah. high school, but I was bullied on the street by older kids. Oh. Yeah, I got beat up. Yeah. They were much older than me. And it, one kid did that to me, and beat me so bad. It Took me four years because I was short, and then I grew. I grew up in one year between, oh. like, the two years, between 12 and 14. And when I got to be 16, 17, I caught that guy by myself, and I beat the crap out of
2: him.
1: I, never, I don't forget. I will re-remember.
2: <laughs>
1: you know? I I was raised in a, you know, I used to have to, uh, I would like to read, and, uh... I was called Clarence the Cross-eyed Lion because they had a show called Natari on. And the lion in this African setting, this, this place uh, where they kept animals who couldn't hunt, he couldn't hunt because when he looked for gazelles, he'd see four of them, he wouldn't know which way to run to catch them. <laughs> so, you know, I got teased, you know, I, I, this. But I always remember every dog has his day. Every dog. Who says that? I don't know. It's just colloquialism that I remember. I don't know why I couldn't quote. It's just something that's a vernacular that's out here in the universe and you pick up on it.
0: Now that we're on the topic of you being in school, I am now imagining like a young Dan Gatsby. And what did you listen to when you were a kid?
1: Like when you say listen to like people or music? Like music,
0: music, yeah.
1: Oh, God. I was a temptations guy. I was a small oh. guy. I, I love. I still do. I, I love uh uh Elton John. I love uh, Rod Stewart. Uh, I, I I know cut well, back then I didn't I didn't know country music until I went and lived in the South. I lived in Tennessee and started listening to, you know, Tom Petty and, and Mo Bandy and Willie Nelson and, and, and uh uh what uh, uh jerry lee lewis you know bob wills and the texas playboys but i i pick up music i i listen to everything i like i like opera i i uh i love uh, asian music i mean i, I mean i've listened to uh, you know it's the beat or it's the words you know, there's nothing better than country and western songs about you know she got the gold mine i got the sham you know yeah. it's that kind of thing i, I love you know
0: yeah, it's, it's funny, and it's also relatable.
1: Oh, it's, it's part of the ethos of our society, yeah. you know?
0: I want to know, when it comes to the current artists, who is your favorite?
1: Uh, I like The Weeknd. Really? Yeah, I like Adele. Uh, I, I mean... I mean, you know, I I just... Uh... I, I love A. Sheeran. I, like, mm-hmm. I love his music. I, but, I, but, you know... Uh, There's, there's so, there's so many, you know, you know, great musicians out here, but I tend to, tend to stick with some of the classics.
0: Mm -hmm. Music is, um, is like a universal language.
1: Music and food.
0: Yeah. You got me there. Yeah.
1: Music, you know, uh, it crosses all lines because it's visceral, because it goes into, you know, into your, your spirit. but. you know, I'm an R&B guy, but, but I, 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 you know, I love I, I love, uh, I love all, all different types of music. I mean, you know, my mind races when I think of I mean, the balance that you, you
0: try to find in music. I like
1: I like stories.
0: Thank you so much for your time. But what's in your calendar for you as a person and for you as work in the next, um, in the future?
1: Hopefully getting this movie to the point where... Uh, it's, it's totally done uh, in terms of all of the financing and everything. Uh, the lifestyle business, moving it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first and foremost, to continue, to, to, to continue my wife's legacy mm-hmm. through her products. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing. number two thing is a movie. Number three thing is figuring out what I want to do going forward after the next four or five years. Like, I have a couple of ideas, uh, you know, will I move? Will I share? Will I find someone I want to spend more time with? Uh, you know, I I don't, uh, I like, I've learned over the last year how to be alone. I mean, I was married for 40 years, 28 years with my my second wife, which would be in 12 years. So for most of my adult life, I was in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, I, I'm going out with people, you know, and you know, in and, and their own unique way, they either didn't measure up or let me down or didn't see what they didn't see enough in me to believe or whatever. So
0: yeah. that goes on. Guys, you can find more of Dan Smith at... Oh, wait a minute. It's Dan Gasby. Oh, I'm so sorry. I literally... Oh, my God, I'll cut
1: this
0: out. No, no, no. No, leave I it. was so good Leave it, leave it, leave it. I literally was looking
1: at your cap. Yeah, no, no, leave it. That's, you know, that's that's part of... Uh, if that's the worst thing that I've remembered for being my best friend, having her... I even told her one name, I, I swear to God. I said to her one day, I said, why don't I just change my name to Smith? And that wasn't as out of frustration, that was out of love for her.